from Green Biz Group. Welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. If we think about the future, we think that actually drones as a standalone solution might not be deployable on the large scale, but in combination with existing technology, basically drones taking off from delivery vans, for instance, that might solve a lot of problems that we see today in urban delivery. Matthias Winkenbach is director of MIT's Megacities Logistics Lab. He spoke with Mark Wallace, Senior Vice President of Global Engineering and Sustainability at UPS, and Heather Clancy, Editorial Director of Green Biz Group at the Verge Conference in September 2017, about the logistics challenges of large urban city centers and how collaboration, innovation, and research are driving new solutions towards a future of sustainable cities. Let's listen in. We're going to uh, flip topics to um, something that I've been fascinated, you know, following for quite some time, um, but but on a on the level of passengers, right? We talk a lot about urban mobility. Gentlemen, please be seated. Um, and there's been some new research coming out that 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 suggests that you know we're we're talking almost not not too much about passengers and people. Right, but we need to talk more about how we move goods around cities. Right, we've got some some say 66 percent, two thirds, whatever the world's population will be in urban climates by 2050. Um, how do you make sure that everything that needs to get to those people, especially as they click online um, and, and ask for food to be delivered, you know, gets there? So we're going to talk um, about urban transportation, urban mobility in a in a in a slightly different twist. And joining me are two terrific. Panelists. We've got Mark Wallace. He's the Senior Vice President of Global Engineering and Sustainability uh, for UPS. And Matthias Winkenbach. He is the Director of the MIT Megacity Logistics Lab with MIT. So um, the first question is for Mark. I just, you know, when we were prepping again for this, this discussion, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, my first question was like, okay, why does UPS need to be at the center of what happens here? You know, and I think I kind of know. You but, think you, you kind of what, what is, you know, why is this a, a increasingly relevant topic for your leadership team and your sustainability team, obviously? Well, I think, and, and for everybody in the audience, I think you've probably seen the brown truck driving down the street. That's kind of the iconic, that's what everybody thinks of UPS. Um, but really, UPS, that's just the iconic brand, obviously a very important part of our um, integrated network. But for UPS, we're delivering goods, packages, freight globally across 220 countries right. with 434,000 employees. And we happen to deliver about 19 million packages a day. And as Heather commented, one of the changes that's taking place, e-commerce. And, I and bet you every, did some research on this. I think there's, there might be a little... We, we did some research, and actually with, uh, with GreenBiz, we just released a study uh, that really talks about the concerns with urban delivery, and in particular, with e-commerce. So it could be that right now in the audience, there are a few people that are actually online ordering something right now in this room right now. I hope not. I don't know, but just uh, I'm just saying. Um, but that challenge, as we, as we release that study, it's a white paper that we just released, two of the most important concerns that our respondents came through with were traffic congestion, which was 58% of respondents had concerns of congestion in urban cities, 53% 
with air quality being the other top concern. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you talk about the delivery of goods into urban cities, UPS is right in the middle of trying to come up with innovative, sustainable solutions for our urban cities. So, Matthias, what, what impact do, you see, do we see already? You mentioned pollution, but you know, let's get a little bit more granular. What are the specific concerns that a, that a city should have, and, and um, you know, what impact is this already having? Well, I think there's two major trends. One is e-commerce that we already mentioned. The other one is urbanization. And they two kind of um, play against each other, basically. E-commerce leads to an increase in the expectations of customers. We all are used to getting our stuff quickly. We are used to choosing more precisely when we receive our goods. Um, and all of this leads to fragmentation, which makes it extremely difficult for people like UPS to actually operate delivery routes, even in urban environments, in a kind of efficient way. And Urbanization increases the density of cities, so the unpredictability of cities. There's congestion, more congestion, more random events that disrupt the delivery process, and both of them kind of collide, and that's why we need new systems, new technologies to help us deliver the goods more efficiently. So why should this discussion be being held alongside the passenger discussion, right? I think people tend to look at this in two different ways. Correct. So I think, I think one of the things, and it was mentioned in some of the earlier panels too, collaboration amongst cities with people in terms of how cities are moving people into urban environments, but it's also about making sure that they're talking about the delivery of goods into the cities, into urban cities as well. So that collaboration piece is extremely important, working with not just the cities, but universities, other businesses, businesses in the cities, and then residents in the cities as well, because it's all part of that overall urbanization of these large cities across the globe. Who should specific, I mean, I, okay, let's, let's step back for a moment. What is it exactly that, that's gonna happen? If, if let's just say a city buys a fleet of electric vehicles, um, pass, buses, or they're adding to, what's gonna happen? I mean, what is it, what is it that we're gonna see? What is it that's specifically concerning us about, is it just, is it, they're not going to get there on time. Is it there's going to be more congestion? I mean, what, what is the, the, the thing that we need to combat? And who should be involved in the, the conversations to ameliorate that, that problem? Like, is it the city planner? Is it the... the who is it? Is that question related? That's, I'm looking at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Matthias. Sure. Well, actually, so as I mentioned before, the, the fermentation that we see, especially due to e-commerce, in the demand for goods transportation, just leads to an, an exponential increase in the distance and the time traveled by commercial vehicles and private vehicles in a very, very scarce resource, which is transportation infrastructure. And if that continues, and if more and more people move into cities due to urbanization, at some point, that capacity will just be exceeded, and uh, we'll see just a collapse of the ability to be mobile as a passenger, but also the ability of logistic service providers to actually deliver the service quality, the service level that we are already used to as consumers. So I see um, cities thinking about solutions such as congestion pricing or you know, limiting cars on certain days. Why is that a, a, a concern for the logistics industry? So I guess I'll just I'll answer, I'll take that one, Heather, because you know, one of the things with regulations that cities just might uh, look at one piece or one component of how that regulation may impact people or be a positive 
um, for people. I use one um, example as if we stop delivering packages into urban cities during the day. That's one regulation that's been talked about. And you, you think about that and people may think that that's going to reduce congestion, improve air quality. It really does the reverse because we would end up putting more vehicles on the street at night, still doing it at some during the day and doing it much less efficient than we do it today. One of the things that we talk about often at UPS is about density, about delivery density. That really reduces the number of vehicles that we have to actually put into cities. So as we're talking about regulations, we have to work with city planners, work with businesses to come up with solutions, solutions, innovative solutions, leveraging technology, working together with regulations so that we can really truly improve overall congestion and air quality in our cities. Matthias, have you seen a good, like a regulation that is helpful? Well, could be helpful? actually, I would like to comment on one thing because you mentioned a lot like the B2C world, like serving the consumer, but for instance, my lab works a lot with the B2B world. And we see, for instance, in a lot of places in Latin America that cities come up with regulations like you are not allowed to go into a certain area with a freight vehicle during certain times of the day. However, that's just not possible to do because the shop owners in that area they are only there during the time of the day that you usually would expect deliveries to arrive. So night delivery might be an interesting concept, but it needs to meet the reality of, in this case, the shop owners. Um, when we see policies or, for instance, infrastructure investments that actually do work, uh, we see a pattern. Namely, whenever cities or any kind of regulator talks to the private sector before making a decision, it's actually better. So, for instance, we worked with the city of Santiago in Chile on figuring out how can we make the logistics situation in downtown Santiago better. And we brought them to get onto one table, the private sector and the city government. And we figured out, well, yeah, you have to restrict the access of certain vehicle types, but it's actually more important that you like, create the right kind of infrastructure in the right location, in the right amount, and that you, like, what kind of infrastructure? It can be very simple. In that case, it was just creating freight-dedicated parking spaces because in a lot of cities, double parking is a main contributor to congestion. Yes. So if you bring those vehicles off the road, you already do a great job at improving the situation, the traffic situation in your city. And that goes along with improvements for emissions and the like. And I believe you have some experiments that... We, we do. And Heather, I'm just going to comment because, Matthias, one of, the, one of the examples that we're doing and this is globally, um, Hamburg, Germany, and if you were here last year, you actually saw the e-bike that, that we've deployed in Hamburg. So if you think about that, as Matthias just references, where we actually put just one trailer in the city center, and then we have a, um, a number of e-bikes, e-cargo bikes, that actually meet at that trailer in the city and actually deliver the goods then in the city center. Now we're really doing that, we're expanding that to London, to Paris, uh, to other cities across the world, and then testing that here in the U.S. as well. Those are the types of innovations that really can help city centers with, you know, really truly improving congestion, but also improving air quality at the same time. What other experiments have you seen that, have, that are worth considering and, and, and thinking about for the cities in the room? Well, actually, one thing that both the, uh, like the public sector and the private sector still has quite some improvement potential is using data. 
because usually nowadays all of us have access to huge amounts of data. Companies have information about their transactions, about their deliveries, and they keep track of that, but they hardly ever use it. Same thing with cities. They have a lot of sensor data from, I don't know, traffic cameras and the like. They don't use it. But it is extremely valuable to make use of that data to design either better policies, better regulations, or for the private sector to come up with innovation, innovative solutions like uh, the one you just mentioned, but to design it in the right way. Because only that, that data will give you an idea of where, for instance, to locate those containers, which kind of vehicles to use, how many, and at what time. So are you talking about then like getting information from the, the retail part, the, or the, the product company as well, or, or is it the logistics company? I well, actually, uh, here's a question. What role do the retailers play in this with you know, the cities and with the UPS, UPSs of the world? I'd love both of you to comment on this one, please. <laughs> so I think, and in, in today's world, obviously, big data is really important. And, and we do use big data. And we do partner with our big retailers uh, that really are driving this boom in e-commerce. You know, one thing that's really changed as this urbanization has taken place, you know, B2B, when we used to deliver just to businesses in the cities, that was fairly predictable. The unpredictability of e-commerce is also driving change in the business. The way you shop online changes the way we deliver packages to you at your homes, your apartments, or your condominiums. So partnering with our retailers is important so that we can better predict the number of vehicles, the number of drivers, the number of miles that we actually have to drive to make the deliveries. And maybe just to comment on it too, just to the use of big data, where we're able to now use the data that we do have. We have an optimization program called Orion that we've deployed, and it's always, it's my favorite saying at UPS, the greenest mile is the mile not driven. So through Orion, we've been able to optimize using and leveraging data to make sure we have the optimum travel path to reduce the number of miles. We reduce now about 100 million miles a year using Orion with our drivers here in the US. Those are the types of uses for data and information that really can make an impact. And I mean, I can only comment on Orion being a perfect example for how, <laughs> how data can lead to small incremental improvements in the delivery process that have, however, a huge impact on both the economic benefit but also, uh, let's say, the ecological. You, you reference sensor data yeah. in the city itself. What, where is that? Is that in the roads? Is that in the traffic lights? I mean, what kind of information? Can you get a little bit more specific about what you're seeing there? I mean, what yeah. is that data? I mean, city governments, for instance, uh, or like officials try to use camera data that they already have access to from traffic cameras, use computer vision to come up with more accurate vehicle counts, for instance, to be able to design their infrastructure in a more appropriate way to accommodate all the traffic that they are having right now, but also that they are expecting in the near future. On the company side, actually the most valuable data set that is mostly overlooked is GPS traces. Most companies, be it retailers, be it logistics service providers, have GPS sensors on their fleet, they just don't use that data. And it can give them a lot of information. It can actually help them extract the local knowledge of their delivery drivers mm -hmm. from the data. Because mm -hmm. usually the driver is the one who knows best the, the neighborhood or the environment that he or she operates in. And that, mm -hmm. using that kind of information and plugging it into a system like Orion to make it even better, mm -hmm. that's where more companies need to go. What's the pushback on using that data? Um, what are the privacy and security concerns? 
are, you know, what, what gets held up as a... I mean, for us, it, it really, there's no privacy issues with the data we use internally, obviously. But the, the privacy issues become when you start tracking vehicles and people and those types of things. But I do think there's been some very good progress with that. So leveraging that and bringing that together, and it goes back to regulations. You know, making sure there's collaboration amongst government officials, city officials, so that, you know, we can leverage data that can really make things better for our urban cities. And in our case, what I see is that a lot of companies, for instance, struggle with sharing data, especially with competitors, which is understandable. And that's where typically yeah. people like us come into play because academia or other people like us are usually seen as a, like a neutral mediator, someone who's trustworthy. And we, for instance, work with competitors, it's like beverage companies, two different beverage companies in Mexico City. And some of the value that we create for these companies is bringing different data sets from competitors together and showing them how they could actually improve the situation by collaborating more. You mentioned before, the, obviously, the, the, the different vehicles that are being used. And nope. people talk about sort of futuristically drones and right. so forth. But right. what, um, and this kind of goes back to the original thing of as you have urban passenger systems changing, you, you will have bicycles fleets coming into yep. play. You will have potentially electric vehicles, you know, autonomous electric vehicles, autonomous shared electric vehicles. I mean, you'll have all of these different things. Um, so what do these delivery vehicles look like in the future? And, could, and who, who owns them? I mean, like, could you, UPS, work with other lo you know, cur local couriers, if you will? Like, how does it extend the, the delivery network? So I can tell you that, you know, we, we for years now have been using our fleet. And uh, because UPS has a large number of vehicles on the street globally, um, we have a rolling laboratory. That's the way I, that's really the way I describe our fleet that we have at UPS. And if you think about it, we have the large vehicles, the tractors, the, the things you see running down the highways, all the way to the small e-bikes that we've also been developed. We really have a collaboration with many different manufacturers, many different startups as well that, uh, that we partner with. I think Workhorse uh, was actually uh, talked about here. I was uh, reviewing with electric vehicles. They did the test with us with a drone delivery. You know, we have to continually innovate with others to look for solutions because, you know, the future is going to be very different. Different types of vehicles are going to be in place uh, to assist us, you know, as we think about where we're going to be in 5, 10, and 20 years. But the important part is, too, we need different forms of um, alternative fuels, different forms of technology to really drive all of our vehicles. So it's not just about the passenger vehicle, you know, for UPS, it really is about our fleet. And that is so important when you talk about urban congestion and air quality in the future, you know, we have to continually drive that um, as an organization. And that's really what we're trying to do in collaboration yep. with many others. But you might not necessarily need to buy those bicycles if there's a fleet in that city that could be rented. You could. Absolutely. What other vehicles do you see as, as, or modes of transportation, if you will? Well, I mean, you already mentioned a few, but what I would like to point out is that there's not the one future delivery vehicle for cities. Actually, no two cities are alike. Yep. Not even two neighborhoods within one city are alike. So you have to make like, the urban delivery more tailor-made. You have to tailor it to the local infrastructure. You have to tailor it to the, even the local security situation. For instance, we work in Sao Paulo certain parts of Sao Paulo, you really have no chance flying a drone. 
it's not going to come back. So you really have to make sure that you design your distribution system, your delivery system, in a way that it accounts for local specificities. And we personally, or my lab, believes in multi-modal autonomous systems. Yeah. If we think about the future, we think that actually drones as a standalone solution might not be deployable on the large scale, but in combination with existing technology, basically drones taking off from delivery vans, for instance, that might solve a lot of problems that we see today in urban delivery, and it's actually probably even easier to implement than a fully autonomous drone-based delivery okay. system. Lots of possibilities. Um, I, I know you mentioned the white paper. I think there was a slide, but nonetheless, you'll, you're, you're able to get that white paper, um, and it's going to be discussed at depth. Correct. Um, tomorrow morning at 8.30 to 9.30 in the Challenge of Urban Logistics panel. So you're going to take some of these concepts and go deeper. So I, with that, I'll, I'll thank you, gentlemen. Um, thank you very much, both of you, for your time. And uh, good luck tomorrow morning. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Matthias Winkenbach of MIT Megacities Logistics Lab, Mark Wallace of UPS, and Heather Clancy, Editorial Director at Green Biz Group, at the Verge 17 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>